I got into this field originally because I had no idea what to do with my life. And I think I was working at Bertucci's. I was just kind of floating by, doing whatever I could for a couple extra bucks, hanging out with my friends, drinking, partying. And my sister had just become a nurse, or maybe she had been for a year or so at that time. And she suggested to me that I go to the EMT school, check it out. Um, local community college had a program. It's four months long, 700 bucks. If you like it, cool. If not, also cool. Uh, but she thought I might be good for this position, so I checked it out. Uh, I enrolled into the class. My parents paid for it, score. And I did well uh, during the class you know, the classroom's like up in the top floor of this old armory building, and uh, the teacher was like an ancient woman who, I think she's still working there, I probably shouldn't say that, but, you know, she showed us like what each piece of equipment did, how to take vital signs, she gave us our first CPR cards, and kind of went through the paces. No one got a real taste for what this, uh, this position was going to entail. I had no idea back then what effect this career would have on me. You know, going from this padded room, uh, you know, carpet, nice fixtures on the walls, table set up, to the actual reality of the road was, like, so crazy. The stress of a test is never going to be the same as the stress on scene. Never. Like, not even close. Uh, I guess they're different, but... What a, what a world I had waiting for me that I had no idea existed. And I'm assuming most people in the general public that don't do this work, I'm assuming they have no idea what's what exists in EMS. And for all first responders, for that matter, you know, like... Even though I have no idea what it's like to be on a regular traffic stop, I'm sure that police officers would tell you, like... You have no idea the stress of going up to an unknown person's window day in and day out. You have no idea what type of mental state they're in, what their day has been. Uh, you know, and it's kind of the same for us. We're going into people's houses. Like, even though scene safety, BSI, you know, we're supposed to wait for the police and make sure the scene is safe, there's no way to really tell. And, uh, and a lot of times we just go in because we're trying to get back to bed, so... We do what we have to do, and we go home after, you know, or at least that's the plan. It's probably not smart, it's not responsible, but it is what it is, you know. 2.30 in the morning, you get dragged out of bed for foot pain, you show up at an apartment complex, there's, you know, maybe a fight going on in one apartment, you can hear people screaming, and this and that, you walk down the hall, who knows if you're safe, who knows if the scene is safe, but put your head down, hunker down, and you go through it, you know, just get the person to the hospital, get back home. That's it. That's it. Everybody goes home. That's the goal. So, I went through the class, and I put in one application. I went to the first spot. Uh, the teacher had given us a list of places that we might be able to find work, and I went to that first place on that list, and it was a brand new company, just a couple of trucks, a few guys, uh, the owner was, like, either helping doing some of the dispatching or he had, 
you know, a couple people doing it for him, but it was very, very family style. It was get the job done. It was kind of down and dirty. We had a couple bunks there, a TV, but the trucks were just enough to get by. And it was what it was, you know, we were, we were a brand new company in the city. And needless to say, as a brand new company, we didn't have respect of the other companies. Uh, nobody knew us, nobody trusted us, and uh, we didn't have any 911 calls. We went in and, you know, 7 in the morning to 7 at night was my shift uh, for most of the time. And we would go in and do a couple dialysis transports. We'd bring two patients. They were actually sisters. Awesome. I got some good stories about them. But we'd bring these two sisters uh, into dialysis. And then four hours later, we'd bring them home. And pretty much we'd hang out and play video games and just chill for the rest of the night, for the rest of the day. And then after a while, I switched to 24-hour shifts. I was Monday and Wednesday. And... Me and my buddy Mike would work these 24-hour shifts. I'll never forget one morning, you know, we did nothing for the whole shift. It may may even been a no-hitter because dialysis patients went Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So Thursday morning when I woke up at work, you know, it's possible we hadn't done anything all night. And we got a call at 7 o'clock in the morning. So just, like, we're supposed to be out, and, uh, and we get sent to this call. The call's for abdominal pain. And for anyone that's been in the career for long enough, you know, uh, an abdominal pain call can seem like BS. It could be anywhere between really intense and nothing at all. Uh, this one, now if I went on the call, knowing what I know now, it would have been a, just a basic load and go, get in the truck, take vitals and go to the hospital, you know, nothing acute. But all I had in my head from like this left lower quadrant pain, even on the way to the, on the way to the call, all I have stuck in my head, they call it tunnel vision, is like aortic aneurysm, you know, because I guess when you're a basic or when I was, you're looking for everything to be, like, the most acute medical problem. I don't know if it's, like, in an attempt to validate yourself, like, I'm here for a reason and I'm doing some good and, and this guy would have been dead without me. I don't know what it is, but you're, you're looking for that, for that you know, acute problem that's hiding and, and we got there and, and recognized it and saved them or whatever. So that's, like, what I have in my head. And I called for ALS because that's our protocol as basics. You know, you got the abdominal pain, whatever, call for ALS. So we called for advanced life support. No one's available. And we show up on scene. So we pull up in a very urban section of the city. Like, you know, pretty a little bit run down. Houses packed in close to each other. pull up at this single family ranch and there's a ramp that comes out so the driveway goes to the right side of the house and there's a ramp that comes out and take from straight from the front door takes a 90 degree turn and goes to the to the driveway and we nose the the van it's a van ambulance we nose it into the driveway with the back step right at that ramp so we could get the stretcher out 
And I remember my partner was so tired, but I was so amped up. Like, this is what we're here for. We got to go lights and sirens. We showed up. We're going to go help him. And when I opened, I was driving. And when I opened the driver's side door, I look out and there's this man's wife waving us in the front door. You know, I see the urgency on her face. It like jacks me up. You know, my blood pressure probably goes through the roof. My pulse is racing. We got to go save this guy. So I pull up on scene. I throw the truck in park. The truck like lurches when I throw it into park because I wasn't even fully stopped yet. I grab the radio, you know, five, two or whatever the truck at the time was. We're on scene and I jump out of the truck. My partner's moving slow. I jump out of the truck. And I run to the back doors and I throw them open and I pull out the stretcher and where's Mike, you know, it's taking him forever to get around here. And I unhook the stretcher and I lower it a little bit by myself and I take this stretcher and I'm going up the ramp by myself and I'm fighting with this stretcher to get it up the ramp and I'm shaking the stretcher and trying to force it through and we finally get up the ramp and then Mike kind of walks in behind me and I see this guy sitting on his couch right in front of the front door and man he's he looks like he's in pain and he is I I I I I you know he's hurting and, and I'm amped up and I can't slow down I can't stop and think about you know what's going on and he holds holds his left lower quadrant of his abdomen and, and, you know, the pain started and I've been throwing up and, you know, this and that. And all I can think is like aortic aneurysm. I get back on the radio. I run back outside. Mike is still standing there tired. Probably the way I should have been, you know, or at least now the way I'd be. I run back to the truck. I pick up the radio. I call again for ALS. And she says, actually, ALS is on their way. I hang up the radio and I go back to the patient. I'm taking vitals inside. Taking his blood sugar inside. We're doing everything in there. And ALS walks in. I'll never forget. It's these two tall, thin, looking like salty medics walking in. Both of them were paramedics. I remember that. And they just stroll up the ramp and they stroll in so calm, cool, and collected. Nothing bothers them. The world could have been falling down around them. Nothing was bothering them. And they stroll in. And they ask the guy a couple questions. And they ask him if he can walk outside. And they tell me to take my stretcher back outside. So me and Mike walk the stretcher back down the ramp. And they walk this guy out. And they put him on their stretcher. And they bring him to the hospital. Mellow, calm, cool, collected. They'd been there and seen that. I hadn't been there yet. That was like one of my first emergencies, you know. I guess there's no real point in saying that. Like, if I think about like the most recent abdominal pain call I did. You know, I got there. I talked to the guy, calm, cool, and collected, not a problem in the world, for me, we talked, I took his vitals, sounded like constipation, probably, guy had good color, his vitals were good, he was moving good oxygen, moving good air, it's like, over time, the salt that you get, you know? 
they call it a seasoned medic, a seasoned veteran, you know? No matter what it is, if it's the military, if it's police, if it's fire, if a journalist, journalists can be seasoned, you know? You go through it, you see it, you add that salt, you add that flavor, that the depth, you know, like a, an ogre has layers, right? You add that that depth of your practice with time. It only comes with time. I've been on intercepts with brand new basics, and I've had partners who are basics but who have been in the field for a long time, been riding on a medic truck for a long time, and I see people disparage a new basic. Why'd you even call for this? This is obviously pneumonia. It's not true cardiac chest pain. What did you call for? This is just basic abdominal pain. It's not a heart attack. It's not the person's not dying. It's not an aortic aneurysm. What did you call for? How easy to forget. I was that brand new basic. Never seen anything. Wet behind the ears. Green. No dirt on my boots. No blood on my boots yet. Fighting that stretcher up the ramp. How easy to forget. My medic teacher used to say that he would tell his his patients, don't panic until I panic. When I panic, then you can panic. Doesn't make any sense in school, really. Because as fresh, young students, new medics, you're going to panic. New basic, you're going to panic. If you don't, better better than I. You better provider than I. But I like to think of myself as a guy with a pretty level head. And there's been a few times I've panicked. A few that I can point out. I'm sure there's more than I can count. But there's a few that I can point out to myself right now sitting in this car where I've panicked. It doesn't make me less of a provider. Those times where I where I panicked, where I thought it was an aortic aneurysm, and it wasn't, you know, I'd love to be able to go back and say, like, chill out, bro. Look at the situation. Calm down. Slow down. For me, if I could just step outside my body and tell myself to slow down when I'm on scene, how valuable. But it's those situations... The, the next abdominal pain call, and abdominal pain can be serious, and it can be a true life-threatening issue, but the next abdominal pain situation I went on, I had a little bit more depth, a little bit more experience, another call. Like I say, we don't perform medicine, we practice medicine. 
Because no matter what we do, we don't have the perfect cure for anything. Maybe for a narcotics dose, we, uh, narcotics overdose, we have a per, a perfect cure, you know, but we don't, we don't perform these perfect cures. It's not performing an act, you know, practicing medicine, gaining experience, gaining knowledge. Probably just rambling. I don't know. That's all I got to say about that.